Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where every five episodes we hunker down and talk about different worlds for a change. I'm Jordan. I'm Cody. How's it going, Cody? Well, let me tell you, right now I could have a baby in like four days or I could have a baby in like three weeks, um, which is a weird place to be because it's not very certain. And I might have to leave work very quickly one day. But right now everything's going or good. Or just in this podcast, like, be like, hey, I have to go and just leave, which is what <laughs> I'm hoping for. Because I want to be, like, part of the story when you tell, like, the story of your child's birth. It's like, oh, yeah, I was doing a podcast with my friend Jordan. And su- suddenly, like, I I would have some significance. I feel like your dream is just And that, that just like... doesn't go for your baby. That goes for all of life. I would have some sort of significance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jordan, you're significant to me and that I'm not going to name my baby after you. I know you're not, but at least you have a onesie that your baby's going to wear once that says my name should have been Jordan. Oh, I forgot about that onesie. That's true, though. Our baby will have that onesie. Yeah, they're going to wear once and then it's going to disappear and I'm fine with that. <laughs> so this is so, a random thing, but uh, I was at a, I was at a birthing class. And the last, oh, cla- we, we just had our last class, right? So we're done with it now, which is just in time for us to actually have the baby. So either way, it's eating up a lot of time. Um, yeah. <laughs> but oh, man. they were talking about how to sue the baby. And one of the things you're supposed to do is shush a baby. And it's not just like going like, shh, you know, it's like, <laughs> shut up, kids. Stop crying. It's like you shush really loud right in the baby's ear. Like you get way up in its face and you just like go like, shh, shh. I feel like that will lead to mental scarring at an early age. Well, I don't know, but like I watched a guy do it and the babies one looked terrified and then two fell asleep. <laughs> so it's like, wow. well, yeah, and then they had night terrors because like the last thing they remember is some giant figure going up in their face and going <laughs> I mean, it's like what the hell? intense shushing so i'm like prepared Bro, now that when my baby don't cries do that to your kid man i know the five s's to get them to shut their mouth and you know what the fifth the sixth s is that they didn't teach you earplugs what? earplugs then the baby can cry as much as it wants <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh earplugs don't start with an s <laughs> i know that was a joke i no really <laughs> Funny thing, do you know do you know the band that. ZZ Top? No, I never heard of them. Okay, that was sarcasm. So the the lead guitar yeah. player's name is Billy F. Gibbons, and one time yeah. in an interview, the interviewer asked him, "What does the F in your name stand for?" And he says it stands for Texas. <laughs> and I'm like, that's ridiculous, I that. and I love it. I I love that. I just imagine him just deadpanning that too, right? It's for Texas, and just move on. It's like. What? <laughs> so, Jordan, what have you been up to this week? Well, I was going to say, what have you been enjoying, like, reading, watching, and stuff? So we can. Okay, so check quick. this out. All right. I got <laughs> you news. were just waiting for me to ask. I forgot, honestly, about this because of my brain right now, because of work. But I, I started Damn, listening baby. to this novel that I thought was going to be good, and it's like 50% good, <laughs> except for the parts. <laughs> That's not that a good aren't. percentage. So here's the issue. It's about a woman that's the Grim Reaper and she can see dead people and she helps them like wrap up their lives. And then because she can talk to dead people, she helps solve crimes, which is like a very consistent plot for a book. What What is this book called? Because I think I might have read this. Um. Well, let me ask you something. First of all, I don't remember. 
basically like she can talk to ghosts so a ghost can talk to her brain while she's asleep and just like has sex with her while she's asleep and i'm like that's not that's not Dude, okay stop that's reading bad. these books man Stop this one, okay, books. I swear to you, this was not I looked at romance novels or like erotic novels. This was I went to the library and found a fantasy novel that had to do with detectives. Because I like detective fantasy novels. Like that's yeah, one of like you, my favorite you've genres. Told me that before. Yeah. Right. It's like Dresden Files or these Dude. books about like kind of paranormal detectives. That's what I was looking for. Was paranormal detective, which she is, and actually the paranormal detective part done very well. Everything else total garbage and i'm just like man i really feel like people don't understand how bad books are sometimes oh yikes just yikes is all i have to say about the book it's rough it's it's rough you dropped the bomb on me and oh wow yikes i'm just saying like i feel like if you put something in print people assume it's good you know it's like oh it's a book reading's good for you i'm like yeah you should really think about what you're reading though yeah, well, that was my problem because after it, I haven't had anything to read. So I've been looking for stuff. I'm like, all these things that it's like, oh, yeah, bestseller. Like, just because it's a bestseller doesn't mean it's good because Fifty Shades of Grey was a bestseller. And that's not yes, it was. Good. I'm telling you, though, the so, Aeronauts Windless is yeah, the book you should I, read next. I purchased another book that my mom's been recommending to me since I was 12. So I think I should what book is read it? it. Kindred. I don't think you've ever heard of it. I think I have heard of it. Is it? It's not like a, it's a, it's a novel, right? It's not a, yeah, it's a a fantasy. It's like fantasy, maybe sci-fi, but, um, has to do with time travel in like an African-American girl, I think accidentally time time travels back into slave era. So I am like a hundred percent sure I've heard of it and have not read it. Yeah. But my mom says it's really good. It looks really good. So I just got it today and I'm going to be listening to it on my drives. It's only 10 hours. Oh, that's short. Yeah, so I should finish it before next week, probably. So, we'll we'll talk about That's it next good. next time. Anyways, is there anything else that you've been enjoying recently other than books with just terribleness? Um, I don't really think so. Oh, I saw I saw uh the Christopher Robin movie. How was that? <sighs> okay, so here's here's it's like fifty fifty again, right? So oh, everything with Winnie the Pooh and the animals was great. Like, but they then did a they really get to the real world stuff and it sucked. Well, kind of, like Winnie the Pooh being in the real world was actually really funny because they kind okay. of made Winnie the Pooh creepy. Like <laughs> yeah. it's a stuffed bear talking and they play it like a stuffed bear talking and it's not Christopher Robin going crazy. Yeah. Other people reality. interact with 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 the bear that is talking. Um, so they're all freaked out by it. Like when they see the bear talking, they're like, what is happening? It's possessed. And Dude, I'm like, that sounds That's... like a great horror novel. Yeah, yeah, that that part was good. The part that bothered me is the plot is busy business dad doesn't have time for his family because he's too so busy with every busy business. plot in the nineties. Uh, I'm just so sick of those movies. I'm so every plot in the ninety busy busy business dad doesn't have time for his kids. Liar, liar is an example of that. All of every movie about a dad is always about busy business dad not the having time for dog. his family. Anything with Tim Allen ending. in the nineties. Anything with a man in the nineties. Like any, any man that has with a job. A dad is and children in the nineties. Except for Yeah, Gifts no one's ever no, a good um, father in Hollywood. Extreme, extreme goofy movie, except for that one. Because dad and does have like, time for his kids. <laughs> you know, there's always just like that scene where the dad has to be stressed at work and then he just like starts screaming at his kid. 
yeah. then the kid starts crying and he's like, oh no, I didn't realize life has meaning or whatever. Every and movie I'm like, in Man, the 90s, bro. And then he, like, I don't he know, gives I up feel his like... great job for his kid because, you know, kids are more important than money. I mean, and like there's truth to that. But here's the other thing. One, if you yell at your kid, they probably deserve it. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Well, I'm just saying, like, anyone that thinks a 10-year-old's a good person is wrong. They're all bad people. 10-year-olds <laughs> are jerks. <laughs> the, like, people um, are just born empathetic Opinions and thoughts point. of Cody do not reflect the opinions and thoughts of World Shop Podcast. Well, look, all I'm saying is I've met 10-year-olds and universally they suck. So, Well, yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong about that, but... Maybe screaming um, at your kids all the time isn't the proper way to go. Anyways. Well, no, but it's at some point, I just like keep finding less and less fault with this parent that's like, I'm trying to work, you know, so we keep living in a house. And then there's always like that scene where they're like making him feel horrible about it. And he's just like, I'm just trying to not starve. And they're like, you hate us. And he's like, I really don't. I just don't want to starve. And I'm going to get fired tomorrow. They're like, you're evil. And he's just like, I'll cry in a corner now. Yeah. It really is a ridiculous plot point. But still, anyways. Yeah. Sorry. That was long winded. It's a thing that it's a thing that rubs me the wrong way. But everything with Winnie the Pooh was hilarious and really cute and fun. Okay. Well, is that okay? So I'm going to go. I'm not going to go too into it. But the movie I saw over the weekend was The Black Klansman. Oh. I'm jealous. Is it good? It's really good, but it like it left me in a bad place this weekend. And it's just like, okay, well, the world sucks and isn't getting any better. And so that's where that's where it what left I didn't me this know. weekend. What? Like from I watched the preview, right? And I, I thought it looked really good, but I couldn't it's, tell what tone they were gonna go for, like if it was gonna be funny. Because the it, title's it's funny, funny, but it's funny, but it has its humor, but it also does, like, have that seriousness of, um, yeah, this is the freaking KKK we're dealing with. And also, it's based off a true story. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You, you can see the parts where he clearly elaborated, where Spike Lee clearly elaborated, but it is based off a true story. I read up on the true story, but I'll, I'll just say the ending is what really messed me up, and I can't, no spoilers, it just really messed me up. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. It's a tragic part of I don't even want to say our history because it's like still a thing. Yeah, but and that's that's the part that messes me up. It's still a thing. Yeah, and I mean it's like it's like the clan's not getting more powerful, especially at least where I live. Um, yeah, but they're not it, going it, like, away. Well, I mean, you know, they used to have like they used to like they almost owned the university that I went to, and they used that to like hold seats to. in the state. Yeah. That they used to like hold seats in the state senate, and they don't do that anymore. So that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, but our but president still... wouldn't even disavow the leader of the KKK. So they're, they're yeah, which is fine. pretty pitiful. It's very easy to point out the bad guys and be like, I have no association with them, and the leader of our country didn't do that, and I have no respect for him. But we, this isn't a politics podcast. We're leaving that out of it. We're here to talk about other things. I do want to say, though, and this is like a brief thing about, about that movie, the person that they cast as the Grand Dragon, is it the Grand Dragon of the KKK? The Grand, Grand Knight or Grand Master, I forget what it is, or something like that. Yeah, whatever. The the guy they cast for that being the the like wimpy dude from that seventies show yeah is Topher, just perfect. Topher casting. Grace plays David Duke. It's freaking it's hilarious. It's like 
that's exactly who would be in the clan is this like this most pathetic wimpy looking guy just like oh hey guys welcome to the Um, clan he he does it perfectly too and also i got a huge respect for adam driver after watching this movie because the only thing i've ever really truly seen him in was star wars and he plays this kind of whiny weakish character and in this he does a really good job acting and then his character his character motivations everything are really strong and he just he he does a really good job playing the straight man, and I loved it. And also, it's um, Denzel Washington's son is the main character, so that was cool. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's his son. I didn't know that. Yeah, and he, he does a good, really good job, and I just love the way he keeps saying white people, like, definitely pronouncing the H, and it's very funny. So, like, the movie, it has its humor, but it is a very serious yeah. topic. But yeah, I do I do recommend it for you. You should definitely go see it. It's really fun. Oh, I, I, I want to. My brother told me about it and I watched the trailer and it's the thing where he like picks up the phone and he's like, oh, hey, and just starts like yeah, listing all I the people this, that he hates. I hate that. I hate this. Everybody turns around and looks at him just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, right. It's like as soon as he says a minority like that cop like turns around and like looks at him like, what are you doing? Yeah, but no. Oh, for those who don't know, Black Klansman is about a movie where a black guy basically infiltrates the KKK. It's very good. Um, starring Denzel Washington's son, whose name I cannot remember. Adam Driver, who plays Kyle Rim, has Steve Bashimi in it, and a couple other guys. Has that fat guy from I Tanya. So it, it's a good movie. Oh my gosh, did you see I Tanya? Yeah, I Tanya is great. Oh my! First of all, I I I would say that it's rude that you called him that fat guy from I Tanya, but, but after seeing that, that movie from I Tanya, oh my gosh, what oh. He's just the most nauseating. And the fact is that the interview quotes are actual real interview quotes that he has said and believed. Yeah, and they show like, the interview. Like at the end of the movie, they played the real yeah, interview. Yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm in counterintelligence and the FBI has called me for advice. No, they haven't. Yes, they have. No, they haven't. Well, yes, they have. He Jordan, actually said that. You have to do the voice. Oh. I'm on Carter and Tom. And he does that, like, and even in this movie, he does that, like, mouth open, telling you, oh, I talked with his mouth open. That poor guy, though, like, what an actor, first of all. He's amazing. <laughs> I, like, when I saw the movie, I was like, wow, this is kind of a zany character. He's, like, the fakest part of the movie. And That's then you see person. the guy, and I'm like, first of all, you look exactly like him. You act exactly like him. Like, mannerisms, the way he spoke, I'm just like, oh. This is the worst human being. He just ruined so many people's lives by being awful. Yeah, by thinking he's great and he ruined everybody's life. <laughs> and and just, then that, that guy that's like, when that guy that breaks her her knee, who's okay. like, and he runs you, through the glass. If they don't look you in the eyes, that. they can't see their essence. Like what? Yeah, just insane people. Anyways, not what we're talking about. Um, so what I have been, we're going to go into our topics right now because we've spent 16 minutes doing what we usually do and just talk. And this whole episode is just talking. So we're today going to talk about, um, we're doing world deconstructions. We're going to talk about anime and what I've been enjoying slash watching recently is I took last weekend to watch the first two films of the neon genesis evangelion rebuild their like reboot series where they basically update the graphics do all that and retell the story but the story's a little bit different well a lot of bit different in the second one but they retell the story and 
I'm sitting there watching this. Like, graphic-wise, it's great. Like, the animation style is beautiful. Like, the fighting scenes are cool. The mechs are cool. But I'm sitting there. It's like, is this good? Is what I'm watching right now good? I don't, I don't think this is good. And, like, the whole deal with it is they have, like, even Neon Genesis Evangelia has the whole, like, religious background. So they have a lot of the religious symbols and things from all sorts of... I can't even speak on just how crazy they go with it. But it just seems so heavy-handed throughout the movie with the religious themes. Like, every explosion from one of the um, robots, well, aliens called the Angels, happens to be in the shape of a cross. Like, they say, like, religious <laughs> words, like, it's like, oh, yes, we have to go to Golgotha. He's like, oh, yeah, the place of the skull where, like, Jesus was crucified. Great. It's like, cool. It's like, oh, and they keep saying this, and it's like, oh, the Lilim and the Lilith and the angels and, like, having all these biblical and religious ideas in it, and they you just know, horseshoe it in so hard. It, it was hard to, like, watch and enjoy. Is that just kind of the same thing as, like, if we make a movie and we're like, he's a monk, you know, you get it? Like, from Japan, where it's like, we can make reference to things from other countries, but then when the person from the other country sees it, it's like, that's really, like, ham-handed and weird. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? I think that could have the same thing, but there was even more of it where it's like, the Evangelians are supposed to be, like, a mix of the angels, which are these aliens that come down, like, which, if you go deep into it, are sent by God, like, to punish man or whatever. They're supposed to be a mix of the angels but also a mix of humanity and humankind. So they put, like, the arm in the robot and have a human pilot it. So they're, you know, part God, part man. So every time the uh, the Evangelion is transported from country to country, it's on a freaking cross. Well, yeah. Because I mean, it's, like, it's too, like, Jesus, just... right, guys? Jesus, you know, God. And it's like, ugh. Like, stylistically, anime is generally kind of melodramatic. Which, I know you shouldn't generalize, but if you're going to generalize something about anime, it's not subtlety, it's melodrama. And you know what I mean? Like, that's that's to me one of those things that bothers me sometimes. And, I like, for me, the, the anime that did that where I was, like, the... Almost the world, but also the performance in the world um, just kind of ruined it for me because of how melodramatic it was, was Attack on Titan. Yeah. Like, I just couldn't handle it it was too yeah, much you told and me that like, when Ugh. we talked about it when i was really into attack on titan and now i'm not anymore but just a quick disclaimer about evangelia i know super fans of it are gonna be like, oh you just don't understand and all that's like i do understand i did a lot of reading on the things i didn't understand but i do think it is very heavy-handed ham-fisted whatever word you want to use for it and just it's a bit much <laughs> i mean that's like it's saying something when you're saying that about an anime, because anime is generally a bit much. But when, like, an anime manages to rise to the top of the pool of melodrama to be like, wow, you gotta calm down. Yeah. You know, it's pretty melodramatic. And so, that's what I've been enjoying recently. Now we're gonna get into the real conversation. And what I wanted to do for both the audience, you and me, is just ask this question. When you think of anime when someone says anime what is the first thing that comes to mind honestly i think melodrama is probably to me one of the like biggest i guess you could say cornerstones of the art form okay. like and i just really quick i'm gonna i'm gonna do this just to kind of 
make sure I'm saying this right. Okay. I'm just going to look up like the textbook definition of melodramatic. Yeah, it's like being exaggerated, sensationalized, or over-emotional, right? That's what melodrama yeah. means. I mean, and I think you pretty much nailed it on the head right there. <laughs> yeah, like that's what anime is. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, the reason I love comic books and the reason that I do is because they can be so much more extravagant and so much larger than life. And you can visually see it and not be taken out of it. Whereas like a live action thing, when you do that and you see real people like flying through the air and flipping around and doing crazy things and being larger than life, it's kind of hard to take it seriously. Um, so I like anime because it, of the same reason that I like comic books, basically, which is it can be too big. So is that why anime works then? Like, do you think that's one of the reasons anime works? Because you can do these crazy out of this world types things that you wouldn't be able to do in a live action. Like you can have giant robots punch God in the face and it'd be normal. Where if you did that at a TV show, it's like, what in the world is happening? Is is that what I'm yeah, trying I to mean, say? Is that what separates anime from other things? I think part of what separates it is it's kind of like the crux of two things. So one of them is, yeah, you can get away with a lot more, right? You know, it's just as hard to draw like a giant dragon fighting a giant robot as it is to draw a leaf. You know what yeah. I mean? At some point, it's putting lines on paper yeah. and you have to draw on the whole paper. Um, granted there's things that are harder and easier to draw, but like robots are actually probably pretty easy to draw because they don't have fingers and their feet are like little points. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like well, Gundams have um, fingers. Do they? Yeah. They don't have toes though. No, they have little wedge they feet. They have like block feet, but Gundams have fingers because you know they have to hold their weapons and shoot. Oh, a they gun. do, because they have swords. Yeah, swords and guns. Yeah, you're they right. Literally have to shoot a gun. But like when you think about the process of animation, it's they're very angular. And there's a lot of corners, yes. okay, which but are go easier. On with your actual <laughs> you know what point. I mean? <laughs> well, that's that's kind of part of it, though. Is that for one thing, you can get away with more. Uh, but then the other part of it is just kind of like the unique degree of separation that we have with Japan. Yeah. Like anime is not the first place this was done. I've kind of briefly alluded to this before, but the cultural exchange between Japan and the United States for a lot of reasons, some good and some really bad, are it's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, even before World War II, before atomic bombs, like, that cultural interplay was happening, and it's very fascinating. So, like, as far back as Westerns and samurai movies, um, like, fashion, all of these things have always kind of talked back and forth between the United States and Japan. So... I, I think that anime is one of those things that's from a foreign country, but is weirdly influenced by Western culture. It, it really is. So though. you can see things that rhyme with our culture, so it's not super strange, but it's weird because it's not exactly our culture. Yeah. You, you know, you can think about like how many basically Westerns are there in anime. There's tons. Yep. A huge amount of anime is Westerns. And for us, that's like an essential part of our pop culture. So then... Anime is something that can take a Western and make it crazy larger than life and not lose its uh, believability. Here's looking at you, Trigun. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like you're just describing Trigun right now. Um, but, <laughs> which, so we'll start getting into our animes that I want to talk about. But, so on a world standpoint, is that really what separates anime from other? Because, like, when I think of anime, I think of just over the top. Like, you said melodrama, but we'll go even further. I think of, like, giant robots just 
larger than life scenes like villains who have to give huge speeches and like have to annihilate half of a t city and then like someone's always going to grow in power and fight back there's like larger than life battles but then also anime can be very like personal at the same time where we get to see the hero or whatever grow and also at times we get to see a villain grow too so when i think of anime i just think of something that just expands so much greater than anything we really read or watch in america well there's a there's a format that i think um gives it advantage which is like what's expected from an anime is like a run of an anime a season of an anime usually think of as like 25 episodes that are half an hour a piece yep. and oftentimes they have a beginning middle and end yep. so an anime that's successful will still end that might partially be because it's based on manga a lot of the time, and the manga has a beginning, middle, and end. But then we get um, the animes that are 500 episodes for just the second part of the anime. Naruto, I'm looking at you. Um, and Bleach, I'm yeah, looking at you. Yeah, and those are terrible. And they, yeah, and they usually are pretty Dragon bad. Ball Dragon Z. Ball Z. And so, yeah, no, those are all pretty... I, that was my honorable mentions list I have at the bottom of my list of things I wanted to talk about. Those are the honorable mentions. Like... Should though well that'll be a question for later. Should those think about it now? But should those define anime? Because those are some of the most popular anime in all of America. Are Bleach, Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, the five hundred episodes? Well, yeah, and I mean, I I loved Dragon Ball Z when I was a kid. Like, I don't think it's bad. It's meant for children. Yeah. It's like Pokemon. Like, it's fine to like Pokemon now, but it's not good. <laughs> like, it's not excellent. It's just. It's cheesecake, you know what I mean? It's like um, romance novels for you. It's just it's not supposed to be good, but you still enjoy it. It's not supposed to be like oh, it's this like right. literary work that's like everybody's going to praise, but you still enjoy it. So anime's that. But anyways, we had some animes that we wanted to talk about. The first one was we were going to talk about Sword Art Online, and I guess with this episode, well, I more or less want yeah. to talk up like definitely go over the worlds and what makes these worlds unique i guess is a little bit of what i want to talk about but we can talk about really the world building done in anime but you wanted to talk about sword art online and i wanted to argue with you so here's what's up from a world building standpoint the reason i find sword art online fascinating is because of the way that it gives a normal person agency from a world building standpoint on my side i see it as just copying off of um dot hack sign and then making it brand new so the young kids can like it too well yeah i mean it's copying off of tron that's copying off of something you know what i mean like i understand it's not a super original idea to get like sucked into the game i mean legit there was an episode of fairly odd parents that did exactly that before sword yeah, art online did that hack sign did it i so, think 10 years before sword art online online and was huge 10 yeah years before i mean sword it's art online was it's it's not a it's not an uncommon idea like this idea of getting pulled into a game. I'm sorry, and I hated your on your thing whatever. right as you were talking about it. No, 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 no. It, it's fine. Like here's what's up. Sword on Online has flaws. It's not what I would consider to be an excellent anime. It is a very fan servicey anime, and part of that is the protagonist. So let so, me kind of yeah. Get to let's this get whole, to like, this. You said that should... it's a world that gives the character or. It gives agency. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? The challenge of a story that's about an everyman, which yes. Kirito kind of is, 
is uh well normal people suck and they can't do anything well particularly anything that would be required to like go on an action-filled adventure yes. like what am i gonna do if someone's like you gotta go save the world tomorrow and then it's gonna be like i walk out the door five minutes later i get trampled by godzilla i'm yep. not making it you know what i mean my survival skills include sitting on a couch and like picking belly button lint out of that's my belly disgusting. button disgusting i'm really good at that and nothing else. Like, that's the extent of my abilities for, you know, self-preservation. So what a lot of stories have to do in order to make a person relevant is um, they have to end their world somehow. I think that's a lot of why apocalypse fiction is uh, is popular, is it allows you to fantasize with the notion of what if all of the baggage of my life wasn't here to, like, kind of tie me okay. down? Who would I be if I had to endure, like desperate okay. situations um because you know if you can fantasize about like well you know what if my job just exploded and all of my personal ties exploded and then i was like a grim dark hero because all of my personal ties had been exploded by the explosion apocalypse except for me and then i could go on adventures you know it's just kind of like a way to give people an excuse to go and do something interesting um the problem with so that first, is i want to like before we get any further into it there might be some people who have not watched sword Art online and have no clue what we're talking about with this but in sword Art online it is a anime show about a mmo rpg video game that everybody like it's a virtual reality you dive straight into the video game and you are your character pretty much like a super advanced rpg so you feel everything you can fight and do everything everything's based off your skill and what weapons you get etc so it's the opening day of this mmorpg everybody jumps online for it because it's the biggest thing ever and then they find out that the creator of this mmorpg decides to make it that no one can log out and if you die in the game you die in real life so it's like if you can make it to the top of this tower and receive whatever key everybody gets to escape the game and you're out but you're now trapped in my world. And that is the setting of Sword Art Online. Did I miss anything? Right. And what I like about it is halfway through the season, everybody escapes. And then the second half of the season, and I'm going to speak very optimistically about the second half of the season and ignore all the bad yeah. stuff about it. We're talking about the world right and now. not the story. So anyways. <laughs> right. But here's like the smart setup for the world mm -hmm. building is they developed a way to have an apocalypse where after the apocalypse, you have to go back to normal life, which to me is an interesting dynamic because a lot of times in stories, you don't get like the, you kind of can't cross the same bridge twice. You can never really come home. You know, it, it like happens in Lord of the Rings yeah. when, you know, Frodo comes back to the Shire, but he really can't, you know what I mean? Cause he's changed. And it's he's kind of like coming now. back after war. It's like, how do you go back to normal life after being in the trenches for the last however many years? Yeah, right. And and I mean, on the one hand, I like hate to say that because it does a disservice yeah. to people that actually go through like real turmoil in their lives and have to try to come back. But at the same time, like part of the reason to interact with fiction is to explore ideas in a more comfortable and approachable way. So I think for maybe like especially like a 13 year old, the idea of like going to war and coming back is very difficult to imagine or they just wouldn't read the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no one would like a 13 year old's not seeking that out by themselves unless they're already like a bookish type, but sort of online kind of gives an approachable way to interact with that idea of like, 
separating yourself from your regular life and going and doing something very intense where you form very strong bonds and then having to come back to your normal life and try to yeah, keep living then, again. Especially... And they actually handle... Well, especially with being in this video game for long, because, like, for so long, how do you come back and lead a normal life where you don't have these superpowers, where you don't, like, have to constantly be worrying about a monster coming up and murdering you straight up, where you don't have to do specific tasks to grow, like, you're back in normal life. None of what you experienced for, I think they were in there for a year and a half, none of... Or probably a little yeah, bit something like that. None of what you experienced was real. So now you have to go in. And it kind of happens a little bit in Inception, the movie with, you know, um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Kind of like, yeah. I've lived in this world so long. Now I'm back. What is real? What's not? And it deals with that. And they kind of, like you're saying, they dealt with it pretty well in the second season. Yeah. Well, and we can get into the ways that we they didn't. Have. But <laughs> I liked the. Um, for one thing, and I'm not sure I agree with this 100%, because like, I've kind of seen this argument other places where like Kirito's talking about how like just because this is fake doesn't mean everything we do in here is meaningless. And I think there is some truth to that concept, but not as much as they were giving it. Um, I think the way that we interact with people in our day-to-day life, whether it's... I think there's some truth to the idea of having a digital interface doesn't mean that your interactions are meaningless and should be handled with less care, which I think is maybe one point that the show was trying to make. Um, but then I liked that when Kirito came back, you kind of saw both sides. Like you saw people struggling to interact again and struggling to kind of come back to their normal lives. Um, and this also kind of happened in the second season the second proper season of the show not like the second arc in the first season um is you kind of see some people like struggling to reintegrate themselves with society and wanting to drag more and more of this game kind of into their real life but i liked that you saw the people that survived this together still remain friends kind of becoming a community and supporting each other like they, they didn't abandon each other their relationship changed and it became more distant but they didn't just like abandon this part of their lives. You know, they kept trying to help each other. And I thought that was cool, but I just think that like the idea of kind of like that going away and coming back and then trying to make it work. I, I liked that. So, thing yeah, that so they that did. is a part of the world now, building you like, but so, and that's only a small portion of it because the rest of the world building lies within the MMO RPG video game, the massive multiplayer online. So yes, that's where 90% that of the true. world building lives. So, is that part of the world building late? Is that good wor- world building? Or was it pretty much another just, you can play Cypher world where you could just place yourself in the main character's positions. What would you do? I mean, I think good and bad, like maybe derivative is the right way to put it. If, okay. if that makes sense. It felt like a very derivative world that they built. But I think it was supposed to. Yeah. It was you know supposed to mean? represent a fantasy um, video game. I th- kind of like a World of Warcraft. Kind of like um, yeah. a Terra or a Ruinscape of those sorts. A, a part of the world building I would say that they struggled with is maybe figuring out how to say the right words and not yeah, sound and stupid. that's what Ready Player um, One suffered from. <laughs> yes, that's very <laughs> true. It's the problem of the concept is actually pretty freaking goofy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you live in a video game and, um, you know, they're all like saying these really technical words and he calls himself a beater, which is just embarrassing. 
and uh, everyone just like the way people talk about the world they live in is very strange. When in reality, it'd be like get ganged, yeah, and, and dude. Suck and they it. also you know, like bring in the PKers, the player games. killers, and the player killer killers, which they also do in Dot Hack. But they do that kind of like I enjoyed the society of it existed like a real game. There would be some people who would go out and it's like it's a video game, so I'm going to kill this person, steal his loot. There would be those groups of people banned this stuff. There would also be people right. whose main goal is to quest and find items so that they can live a normal life, and other people who's like, okay. I'm just going to work at a shop, and that's going to be how I sustain my life. So I'm going to be the blacksmith of this world. And then like, and then there was the group of the questers, or whatever they called them, where they go up the tower to... So I enjoyed how society interacted as an actual multi, like massive multiplayer video game would. Jordan, you're supposed to be hating this See, show. I hated how the story played out. I did not specifically hate the world. There were things in the story which, since we are okay, doing just the world building, I'm not going to talk about those parts that I hate because that was all story stuff. I hated how the power of love allowed him to beat the bad guy. I hated how they had NPC child, <laughs> a little baby who had no real significance other than just to show up and be annoying. I hated that, but I did like the way the community existed. I did like how he was seen as this like outcast because you know, was like, oh, you're this high level, you don't quest up with anybody because you're too worried about your own society but that's not the norm everybody else has pretty much found their groups like the um gosh the red hair well brown hair guy with the red bandana and the spear what's his name oh my gosh he doesn't it's, have red hair also his yeah, name is up. oh shoot he now yeah, he, he had red hair when he was the um character but when he turns to himself he has brown hair his name is oh you're the worst that's cheating. You're, you're Apparently there's a character him. named Death Gun. Uh, yeah. You don't remember Death Gun? Yeah, oh, no. He's in the second season. season. You wouldn't remember Death Gosh, Gun. Gosh, why can't I remember this dude's name? Okay, we might have to just move on for it. No. No, we are not. Now I need to know. It's important to me. Huh. Oh, okay. I was about to say, like, why did multiple people play Asuna? Oh, yeah. Probably because dubbed and subbed. That's why. Or dubbed and, like, original, you know. Klein, yes. Klein. Klein. His name's Klein. Yeah, but Klein, he had the red bandana. That's what I was thinking of when I thought red. But yeah, so he like joins kind of the like temple guard. They're going to help people go up the tower. And so everybody finds their position. So I did really like how society existed in the world of the video game. And now then, but that was just, I think, what, 15 episodes of the show? And then they moved on to something else. And you kind of lose that society because they try to do yeah. other things with it, like elf world and then they do gun world and so for the first 15 i really did enjoy that parts of it of the world building i once again want to reiterate after we've said this multiple times in multiple different episodes i do not like sword online in the least bit <laughs> i think it's i think it's trash oh uh, i think it is it's like a guilty pleasure for me and i'm not gonna pretend so, like it's anything so, but you know what i mean my question on my list, is the world of Sword Art Online good? Is it an example of good world building? I would say that in a large scale, the notion of having a person, like the world notion of having a video game world and a real world and how those two can interact with each other can be done interesting. So yes. the world is interesting. Um and you can tell that's true because so many things have aped that and it's been aped by so many things. 
Hi, Tron. I see Hi, that you did that. that. Sign, and I mean, even before Tron, brother, people have done this thing where you... Yeah, like, people have done this with, like, oh, you get teleported into a book yeah. or your book characters come the to life. You know, that's, like, always a it thing. Is a, people... Where you get transported into right. some sort of fantasy world. What? Hang on. Have you seen Page like Master? the kids movie from back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. I think we just Dude. became best friends. I, I don't know anyone else that's seen Page Master. Anyways... It's, it's one of my really favorite movie. movies. But anyway, so like the Patriot Master, we've always had some sort of going into fantasy. It has been done a lot. I think for the first 15 episodes, despite all the other stuff I don't like about Sword Art, Sword Art Online did a good transforming real life to fantasy life. And they did a good job of how everybody would interact in that. Because I think about it in the world. It's like, I want to think I will be that cool guy going out and being in the front lines of the tower. But I think I might just stay in... Or be a quester or just be a blacksmith if I was locked in that world. I might just be part of the, or a cook or something. They made it they made it seem cool to yeah. be any of those parts, which was kind of neat that you saw different ways of living a life and all of them seemed yeah, interesting. Kept, you know they, what I mean? And so I was like, I, I so like that part of it. To for this sure. episode wanting to hate on Sword Heart, but really the first fifteen episodes again, I think, is a good example of world building. I wanna say that. So I want to talk about, like, anime world building and anime, like, because we have the animes like Dragon Ball Z and they have huge expansive worlds and they keep going. One thing that anime is very good at is making a super convoluted world. Like, one where it's like we have to have all of these rules and all of these different things and these people are this and that. And we have to have a way that our character can level up or power up throughout it that still makes sense. Like, Bleach, he changed powers and types four different times or probably even more than that he went from oh yeah i'm a shinigami so i can use the power of like the god of death oh now i it's like i lost that power i can also use the power of the like hollow demon things oh now i can use the power of the, um that the character chad uses oh now i can use the power of the bow casters i can do all of that and they have to keep finding ways so it gets convoluted anime gets convoluted anime gets just a little much at times. But I also want to talk that anime does do a good job at making some really personal animes, really personal worlds. There are some animes that are only 10 to 12 episodes that just focus mainly on character development and character stories. One I want to bring up right now is the anime Death Parade. So Death Parade is a 12 episode long anime. And personally, I think they do a really good job making a nice, like, a convoluted world, but making it small enough that we can focus on the characters and the character development. So the setting of Death Raid is pretty much when two people die, they have their memories wiped and are sent to these mysterious bars, which are basically purgatory, where the bartender serves as an arbiter. The bartender makes them participate in a game where depending on how you perform during the game, you either go to the void after the game is completed or you go to be reincarnated. So the game isn't always judged on who wins or who loses. It's based on how the character grows throughout the game. So as the game goes on, the character slowly gains back their memory and remembers why and how they died. So it takes two characters, it, and they usually have completely different stories, and they put them together and kind of work out how they died, who they are as a person, and like what this means in death. And... So the arbiters, the bartenders, are basically judge, jury, and executioner. 
they have the power to judge you. They're the ones who say, okay, you're like, they send you at the end, send you to two elevators. One sends you down to the void. The other one goes up towards reincarnation. And so, so the arbiters are like, I would say they're stand-ins for angels, almost angels or God types, but they don't have normal human emotions, which the anime thinks that this makes them the perfect judge because they don't have the human emotions to get attached to whatever. So they can just judge and be an outside, completely unbiased outside source. And the anime also does the job of posing the questions like, is a person who cannot understand human emotion, are they allowed to judge a human? All right. So I got two things that I want to bring up. First one, have you ever seen the movie from the no, 80s, Defending Your Life? Weird. It's it's really good. And it's a very similar concept. It's uh, basically the plot is after you die, it's the same thing. You either uh, move on or you get reincarnated. If you get reincarnated, you're basically like your truest self is like yeah. learning more and growing well, and that's more. The so basically Japanese it's thought like of reincarnation you can live as many lives. You keep going through the seven cycles. Right. And so in the movie, it's like when you get, when you die, you go and basically sit in a courtroom and have to defend your life and say like, I deserve to move on to heaven or I should get reincarnated that's pretty much and have to what live the my life games again. Right? In death parade um, do. And they like so one of the games, yeah. and it, like I said, it's, it's, it's not a very similar concept about winning or losing the game. The arbiter judges based on how you act. So one of them is it's an arcade fighting game. So the two people they fight, and so the one lady is losing, and she realizes that she is dead. And if she loses, this could mean she like goes to the void, and so she freaks out. And the arbiter does something so that her game malfunctions, and so to see what she will do in that situation. So she freaks out and harms the other person who's part of the game and like the arbiter sees this and it's like okay you don't deserve to go on and so it's, it's that kind of thing but anyways what were you gonna what's the other point that you had to bring up um so the other point that i wanted to make from like a notion of world building and whether it's an essential part of storytelling which i mean obviously given the podcast that I do, this is a little bit hypocritical because I'm a person that's like world buildings extraneous and shouldn't be done. (laughs) (laughs) When I, when I interact with stories, which I'm exaggerating, but I mean it a little bit. Um, But my point is that world building to me is something that can easily become the point of telling a story, but I don't think should be. Um, So if you think about something like Dragon Ball Z or Gundam, it's very easy to make the point of those worlds how strong is Goku or what kind of gun is yeah. this Gundam shooting? You know what I mean? It's like the Star Wars kind of fanatic thing where it's like you have to know everything about the lightsabers and what kind of X-Wing is that? And well, it's actually an yes. R-Wing or a B-Wing. Yikes. You don't know anything, you know? Oof. I have the stat books for I it. I know a lot of people like um, that, by the way. I know a lot and I don't of think, people like that. Right. It's, it's a common way that people interact with stories. I just think it's a shallow and kind of childish way. So when looking at world building as like a tool, I I like worlds that support an idea. So the reason that I was kind of defending Sword Art Online is that I think they did set up a world that supports an idea that is in the show, like a thesis of the show. I feel that Death Parade does pretty much the same thing, that they set up this world that supports like, are you allowed to judge type thing. and And that's where kind of anime's ability to be a little bit more like grandiose you can kind of have environments that are more extreme but still believable 
which makes them able to support interesting ideas, which is part of why I like it for a place that can build interesting worlds. Um, but kind of the, like I said, the kind of the flip side of that is then, yeah, you can also have these massive built worlds that don't matter. Like it's a lot of style and no substance. So I think that's kind of like the, um, the dual nature of animes and the way that they build worlds. Cause the point that I was going to make and why I brought up defending your life is that movie was made in the eighties and there's no special effects. Like, they manage to talk about the same concept, but they do it with just two people sitting in a courtroom and looking at replays of their life where they're just like doing something mundane in this, their, in their this yard. This movie like sounds pretty down. much a lot like what death rate is. Right. And so then, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of my Shakespeare where, you know, you say brevity is the soul of wit. And I do kind of like the idea of less is more when it comes to developing the background for your world, which again is extremely hypocritical because what's like one of my favorite books? Well, it's Lord of the Rings. It has the most convoluted backstory that never gets with better. It's 12 episodes <laughs> and through each episode, we just see a little bit more of the world and a little bit more of what makes sense of what happens. Like we see that the Arbiter gets a controller and can basically change the game throughout to force a type of emotion or force the situation to see how the characters interact we then see it's like later how like these they're not chosen at random like they're actually separated out and given like there's a person well, i'm not saying this really well but there is a group of people that does separate out each human life like reads through their memories and then puts them together and then sends them to the specific bars. And then there's more than just the one bar that the, takes place in the story. There's many up the levels. And different arbiters deal with different situations. So the main character and like the main bar, the Quinn Deckham and the character Deckham, usually deals with like more of relationship type things or like the people's lives. And so one of the things later in the show, they give him... Um, two murderers to deal with and he's not used to dealing with that it's like how can you judge two murderers and that epi- that actually two episodes does a huge thing where it's like well does this do they both deserve to go to the void because they both did their murders for a good reason i think personally they took a complicated idea and they like formed it in a way that you could have this only 12 episode very quick very emotional very personal anime and it's the world could have been so much bigger they could have gotten into oh the god of the world and oh who actually owns it who controls arbiter they could have gotten into so many things but they didn't they kept it decently small and that's what i appreciated about it the most is that we didn't have to have all these different powers and all these different things come in because i do love anime but i am getting a little bit older and starting to see the ridiculousness in the animes where it's like, oh, yep, this character suddenly gained this new power. He can punch and destroy a demon in one punch, but now he's, like, fighting for his life against another guy because that guy is powerful, but why didn't that guy come in and just destroy him earlier? It doesn't make sense. And So a lot of it is just, like, learning yeah, about again, it's what like good world what building level is. Are you and I personally think that Death Ray has good world building. And I do personally think that anybody listening to this and you should give it a shot. It is a very, very good anime. Yeah, I kind of want to now, especially because Defending Your Life is one of my favorite movies. You'll have to remember at points that it is an anime. <laughs> and that there are... A lot of a lot of the games 
do <laughs> deal with like pain in a certain way. Like the first one, if I'm gonna spoil a little bit, the very first game that they play is like you throw a dart at the dartboard, and if you hit a, a certain area, it like causes pain to a certain body part on the person. And so like you, they play through the game. Whoever wins, whatever. And so, but they don't show the pain as like, you know, like those movies where they show like torture porn, basically. They don't show it like that. They show it being like very, I think, being like very realistic. Like, oh, it's, they're harmed, but it's not like shown in a sexy way, I guess. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Yeah, I kind of get what you mean. I do recommend Death Parade for anybody. It's short, 12 episodes. You can get it done in a week. No, I mean, it sounds good. Especially, yeah, like, like I said, if the... If the world building supports an yeah, interesting it, idea, it I think it's good world building. Yeah. That's the brief way of saying what I and mean. And so, yeah, so um other honorable mentions of world building, I think another one that does really small world building but is huge and crazy is Fully Cooly. Is I wanted to bring that up really quick. Is it's another yeah, small world building that. that it's um, you know, it's just set in this one city. We don't really know much of what's going on it's not ever truly explained it's set in um Mabase, japan i think that's how you pronounce it but then outside like just a normal town but outside of that there's like an intergalactic space battle happening between the brotherhood and then um medica mechanica or something like that and then there's like aliens and there's the giant yeah. space pirate Atomus and all this giant concept of the idea is just shoved into six episodes. And I personally, I liked Fully Cooly a lot. I like the story because I love coming of age stories. And my question with that was, does an anime have to have a good world to have a good story and vice versa? Does a good story make a good world? Um, I think to me, it's kind of, no, you don't have to have a good world to tell a good story. But... You can ruin one with the other. Like, you can have a decent idea for a story and set it someplace stupid, and it can ruin your story. Like, there are settings that are too weird or too ridiculous or just not well enough thought out that they start to fall apart, or they don't leave you a lot of options to develop or to grow your characters. So... I'm trying to think of a good example of where, like, a world just kind of, like, closed itself off to the point where it, like, really couldn't grow much. I mean, honestly, like, Dragon Ball Z is kind of a good example. Um, A world that's just, like, not... It it was too... I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. It didn't have a lot of places to grow, so they just kept doing the same thing over again. Maybe that's kind of a good way to think about it, is when your world only supports one kind of story, it yeah. limits how long you can run in that world before you just have to start rinsing and repeating, which is exactly what Dragon Ball Z did. Yeah, and I guess that same thing happens to Naruto and Bleach, where you have like one type of storytelling, you just rinse and repeat until finally both of your main characters have become a god, basically, and are fighting another god, and then... What do you do after that? And that happens in all right, three of right. those. Right, And I mean, those animes, are shows meant way, for kids. That by the end of it, your character becomes God. <laughs> it's like, I'm the most powerful being in the world, yeah. but I'm still struggling to fight this one guy. Yeah, and, and I think that that's like, part of it is because those animes are meant for kids, but then kind of the other part of it is they just sort of set up a world that isn't yeah. super interesting at some point. You know what I mean? It's... It's kind of like that difficulty of, like, if you don't put a lot of substance into your world, there's not a lot for your characters to interact with. 
Um, and I know we were kind of talking about anime, but like to me, good examples of this done well would be like Steven Universe is something that like haven't seen baked it. in a lot of interest <laughs> for the characters, and that I've been told by many of you should watch it. It's very good, but it let them kind of interact. And it let the show grow into something more than it was because well, there was a world behind and it. And I think that that's what it. makes the world building um, worth it is when you can have these kind of personal stories or have something where characters can interact and have some sort of life within this world rather than just fighting. I think that's what I think that story building and world building are meant to be one thing and meant to interact perfectly. And a lot of the times so it's like, okay. We have this huge story. Now nah, let's just throw it in anywhere. I don't think I said that very right. well. <laughs> right. And and I think that no. Say it better for me, Cody. What you mean. I think there's a habit to overdo the world building. Well, I, I guess my point is, I think there is yeah. a habit to overdo the world building and forget about the part of the story that's actually interesting. Um, like it's kind of I don't want to. S- and I think also the opposite happens where the, they do a lot of character building, and then it's like, well, now this world sucks because nothing's going. Well, on. and that I mean that can happen. Yeah, that's true. And they have to, and they have to manufacture a bad guy like what Naruto well, and, <laughs> and stuff do. Yeah, that's that's true. And I mean, you can always like kind of rewrite worlds as you go if you're like in. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be like me and figure out your whole entire storyline as you build your world, because that's what I do once a week, every <laughs> week. Right. <laughs> and I have, like, eight pages of, okay, this is exactly what I want to do for start to finish. So, yeah, that doesn't always happen. Things do change and adapt as they go on. And that does happen to a lot of animes, because a lot of them are made to only be 25 episodes and then they turn into 500. Right. Episodes. And I think that's where like, it's hard to think of animes that did this because so many of them end. Like, I don't think I've really watched an anime that's ongoing. So I've never seen one that's outlived its world because they have the common sense to end their animes when they've outgrown their world. So in high school and college, I had a couple of animes that were so ongoing still. And I felt like, it's like, okay, we're hitting infinite loop. Yeah, for right sure. Now, and I call Infinite Loop is just hitting the same. And so, yeah, they have all now ended. So now I'm at a loss. I don't really read much anime because the ones that I was so invested in are done. Right. And But that's only after they outlive their stay. Oh, really? Which ones are you talking about? I'm talking about, like, straight up Naruto. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Well, I guess, like, I didn't watch a lot of Naruto or Bleach, but I did watch Dragon Ball Z, and it's still running. They're well, still making Dragon Ball. Yeah, it's, yeah, and that's it's still going. And they just ended Dragon Ball Z Super, and I heard that they're starting up another Dragon Ball Z. And anime. it's the it's still the same story, and and that's where you kind of get stuck in like with the same characters. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's just you're stuck in a loop because the world's not actually fascinating because they made demigods, but and and then you can't really do anything. You have to be able to. And that's the thing that anime, well, the big mainstream animes don't do. They don't let go of the world. So you have to be able to let go of your world and let it end. And Fairy Tale is another one that I read that was, like, ongoing where, it was like, it ended. And I wasn't satisfied with the ending because it felt like, okay, I'm done. I need to get out because he pretty much, he had a di- he had the anime, ra- he's the one who did the anime Rave Master. And his ending of Fairy Tale was very similar to Rave Master. And, like, I've read both of those animes, and I'm sitting there, it's like, 
nothing new or exciting happened. I think from like a world building standpoint too, it's probably good to end your story before they've been everywhere that you've mentioned. Um, like, true, and leave it. So, like I liked with. Um, one that I had on my honorable mention list, Samurai Shampoo, where they end it, where everybody goes off on their own adventure at the end. Leave it up to that. It's like, do they ever meet again? Like, leave it to the viewer to kind of decide what happens. Yeah, you kind of should like every like any good book or show. You should be you should be in your head making fan fiction after it's done. You know what I mean? Yeah, and well, it also like the you know the book that I read. It it not it as in referring to something earlier. But it ended that same way, where they all spread out and they go off their separate lives. Ben and Beverly end up, like, spending their lives. Do we know if they stay together or if it's just a fling? No one knows. Richie goes back to his own world. Um, Bill and um, Mara? Bill and I think his so. wife. I think you said it right. I don't remember. Yeah, Bill and his wife go off their way. And then we get with um, Mike, and it's like, well... I never really went off. I can do so many other things. So they all go off. But we get to the point with some animes like Naruto where it's like we've been all over the world. Now all we can do is fight with yeah. it. We could just keep fighting. Right. You can just keep punching things. So now we're getting <laughs> we're getting to a uh, what was your example of a good world of anime? Um Well, I mean that's kind of Avatar. Oh, do you want me to talk do, Oh, you you want me to talk about Avatar now? I'm allowed to talk about Avatar. Unless you had something no, else. No, no, no. Unless you had something I else. Could, I, could, I couldn't tell if you were trying to cue me to talk about Avatar, because I talked about it too I, soon. I was trying to cue you to talk about Avatar. Anyways, let me tell you about the great world of Avatar. Avatar. It's a world that also managed to make Wait, people relevant without having an apocalypse, except it kind of did. Sorry, Air Nation. An apocalypse for one nation, pretty much. But yeah, tell that to all the dead Avatar Air Nation people. You idiots who have not watched Avatar first... Pause this episode, go watch the whole series, and then finish this episode. But so Avatar is a world where magic exists, and the four nations that exist are separated by what element the nation can control. So you get the Earth Nation control ground, the Air Nation, air, fire, and water. So they're all separate, they're all separate cultures. And what basically the inciting oh no, sorry. Then there is an Avatar who's supposed to be pretty much the spiritual advisor of these nations he can control all four of the elements and he's supposed to work between all nations to keep the peace and it was all fun in the games until the fire nation finally decided it's like no we're the most powerful we're going to go and conquer all the other nations and that's the inciting incident of this world is the avatar disappears and the fire nation wipes out the air nation and pretty much takes over so it's about all the other nations fighting back Cody, what do you want to say about this world? So, what I like about this world, from like a world building standpoint, one is having the Avatar be someone young is an interesting idea because there's like off time between each Avatar. So, you know, the world loses when an Avatar dies, they lose a hyper competent, like super wizard, you know. And then what they get yeah. to replace him is a baby. They lose their basic spiritual advisor ambassador for all the worlds. Yeah. Their guidance. And, they lose their guidepost. And then they get a baby. Um, and yes. so there's no... Who grows up like a normal person does. Right, right, right. So then, you know, you have to deal with an, with an avatar, like, knowing they're the avatar and having to grow up with that pressure. And then also you have to deal with a world that has, like, basically they're kind of... I don't want to say they're God, but they're 
their, their mouthpiece to the gods basically disappears for 20 years every 80 years. You know what I mean? Because yeah. for basically 20 years, the Avatar's useless until they're an adult and can do anything. Um, and I I liked the show from a world-building standpoint because it made kids kids. Um, which is to say yes. they are competent at some things, but also very incompetent in a lot of things. So they managed to make... Sorry, go ahead. You sound like you want to say something. I was just going to say, yeah, and the Avatar is a child. He's like supposed to be 12, and he acts like a child, and he responds to situations like a child. And so it's like, we need... It's like, we need you. He comes out of his um, hibernation of 100 years or whatever. It's like, okay, we need you to save the world. It's like, I'm 12. I don't know how to save the world. Right. And so from like a world building standpoint, I like it when a thing is willing to make like children somewhat realistic and somewhat vulnerable. Um, because I feel like with these types of stories, there's a habit to just make your kid invincible and just be like, yeah, whatever, you know, he's, he, you know, kids don't want to have to deal with the fact that they're children. So I liked that sometimes he was at a disadvantage because he was young and all of his friends were young. And then that, again, it's like talking about world building, giving your story room to grow, making that decision to actually make him a flawed character instead of like Goku, where you make him the best fighter ever at the beginning. And then you he, he just stays the best fighter ever forever. And they just keep having to like be like, ah, but then a super fighter shows up and then Goku just gets stronger than them. It's like you actually get to see and go from being like, I'm not the avatar to I am the avatar. So it's a good coming of age story, and the world supports. And it's a coming that. of age story, but the villain even made sense because the villain is the emperor of the Fire Nation, and so we have this kid try to fight the Fire Nation, and he's still a kid. He doesn't know how to fight this guy who's been what he's, I would say, forty or fifty, yeah. who's been fighting his whole entire life, and so we get this whole clash that makes this whole power clash that makes sense, and we get at the end of the series. He may be the Avatar and super strong, but he's still struggling to fight this guy. Yeah, and I mean, they he loses at one point. Like, they... He... Well, and he almost loses in the final battle. Yeah, like, they, they, they have one final battle that they straight up lose and then almost lose again. And, and so... Yeah, he traps himself in a ball of rock and is almost going to die right. at the end. It's just... And, and so, like... I thought I just think it's amazing. It Sorry. is. It's a very good. It's a very good show considering what it is. I was not expecting it to be good, and I like didn't watch it when it, it yeah, actually came out. It was an out. American-made Nickelodeon show, <laughs> right? It just had bad written all over it, and I just skipped it because I thought it looked stupid. And then came back and watched it when I was sixteen, and I was well, like, "I'm an idiot." I did like ashamed watching. I did ashamed watching where I would watch an episode every now and then and didn't tell anybody I watched it. And then I on Toon Nick or whatever they did just all of the important story arc episodes in a row in a marathon so i just watched the oh, whole entire cool. like show in one day and i'm just like okay yes this is the best thing i've ever watched so they cut out all the filler that's actually pretty neat yeah they they did a marathon of just the story arc episodes it was amazing but aside from that i also like the world because it, it kind of feels like a fantasy adventure that i would write not that i could write a world that good but it's very large but it's easy to get out. So it. let me say that differently. It's a very small world that has a lot in it. They give the characters the ability to travel fairly easily from place to place, which means that they can go from like 
very different environment to very different environment. And, well, what you said earlier is they ended it before they traveled to every place. Right. And the way they set it up, it was really easy for them to add, like, little mystical nooks and crannies. Like, it felt like something that you would see in Legend of Zelda. You know what I mean? Where it's like you're walking across the desert and then you find a buried temple. And it felt like a world that was full of... And and that temple's the link to the spirit world. Right. And it it felt like a world that was full of mystery. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it felt like a world that wanted to be discovered. So even at the end of the show, like, they haven't found everything. So there's always yeah. more and to find. And they still leave a lot open. Yeah. Like, with the spirit world stuff. They leave just huge gaps in it where we still, we learn it with these kids, but there's still so much more to learn. And there is that whole, okay, what happens next? And they leave that what happens next for your imagination. They make a sequel, but they still leave enough what happens next for you yeah really you never get I to see Aang be the avatar was, no we don't and just yeah there's we need to have a separate bonus episode where we just talk like in depth about avatar not just about the world building because i have so many good things to say <laughs> about it yeah yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of good to pull out of it i think it is probably one of the best animated shows i've ever watched yeah it is surprisingly and it has an interesting world like the way that they set up the different nations um and this is um, this is getting a little bit legend of Korra-y, but i liked that even in the last airbender you know it's really easy to be like fire nation those are the bad guys earth nation those yes. are the good guys Water Nation, you know, those are the, the you, know, you know, and it, it's easy to stereotype them, but every place that they went, you kind of saw both sides. And, you know, by the end of the show, if you're if you're actually watching the show, your favorite character should almost certainly be someone from the Fire Nation. Oh, Zuko? Yeah. No, what? Uncle Iroh, are you kidding me? Oh, I I completely forgot about Iroh. Wow. Oh my God, Iroh is amazing. Yeah, I'm done. We're not doing this podcast together anymore. <laughs> I for, Sorry, Iroh is... I love, dude, and spoiler, he comes back in Korra, and that's, like, one of my favorite scenes in all of it, where it's just, like, he's still an old man drinking tea. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's, like, just, I don't want to get too much, because we're supposed to be talking about world building, but everything about his character is extremely fascinating, and I, I like, though, that the world is built such that there is a flip side to everything, you know what I mean? So it's, like... and. Yeah, the Fire Nation could be seen as like, oh, they're fiery, they're aggressive, and whatever. But then there's also the flip side of Iroh, who's like very spiritual and like stoic. Very calm, drinks tea. Yeah, and, and you can see every nation kind of has both of those. Like, and I liked that that was there. You know, that they managed to show depth to every place. They didn't just make the bad guys are over there and these are the good guys. And what I truly liked about it is that each nation was its own, like, separate culture, separate world. Like, everything had their differences. Like, we get the Arctic world, and we get the Earth Kingdom, and we get the Fire Nation Empire type thing. And then we get the air monks who are wiped out, and he's literally the last airbender. Yeah. But we, but we get in, but they're like this, the air monks were the spiritual people they're the ones who like were one with the world and they could connect to the spirit world very easily and we get that side of every nation's difference so it's not just the stock same thing over and over again but just with different characters 
we actually get to see different cultures throughout. And I also liked what they did with the spirit world and having that kind of interconnect and have the avatar be able to talk to all of the avatars down the line and having this spiritual connection with his other lives. Yeah, because that, that event, that again, kind of to me, was one of those interesting coming of age ideas where like, it almost adds more pressure in a way. You know what I mean? When you're like 10, but have the knowledge. Yeah, you of, have to be as good as the hundreds who came before you. Right, right, right. It's like on the one hand, yeah, you always have great advice. But on the other hand, you're constantly measuring yourself against these people at the height of their ability, you know. And I think the show was smart enough to take all of these things and interact with the ideas that they that they came up with. You know what I mean? Like they made... Like, having that lineage behind the Avatar was something very critical to the character and that was seen kind of as a good and a bad thing. They actually saw, you know, both sides of the consequences of that for someone who was young. And I I thought that was cool. Um, And then even, like, on a, like, more miserable note, like, the fact that the air nomads were the ones that got wiped out and that it made sense why it happened. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it wasn't just that the fire nation was aggressive. Why the air nomads got wiped out. They were also the most reclusive and like least a part of the world, which made it possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, they kind of doomed themselves to fall. If anyone ever tried because of that. And I think again, that's something maybe in legend of Korra more that they eventually talk about, but I think that they were willing to not pull their punches with the world that they created, which is another kind of thing in its favor. It was a kid's show, but it did have very serious themes in it. And the whole having your nation wiped out and being the literal last airbender is a very serious theme, but they presented that very well. And that's more of the story building. That's more of what we can get into on a bonus episode, just talking about um, last airbender. But, and just, Okay, I mean, I've been wanting to say this, and it's not the bonus episode, but they presented a very unique and very realistic character who is a child. And at the end, like the whole time, it's like, oh, you have to fight and defeat the um, Fire Lord. It's like, okay, I have to do that. And at the end, he's like, oh, crap, fighting and defeating means that I'm going to have to kill this guy. Yeah. But he's a child and not okay with killing. And I think the way they handle that situation was perfect because he's like, oh, crap, I'm a child. I'm freaking out about even though this guy is the supreme evil as shown all throughout, he's still a person. I cannot kill this person. Yeah, and right. I thought it's just they took serious themes and in the way the world was made. They were able to handle these serious themes with the kids show. And it was very so world other world building stuff I liked is it was very colorful. It was very beautiful. Like it was very unique. They had cool things that they did with the flora and fauna, like the fact that there were sky bisons and there was like, um, what was like the mole dragon thing? Whatever those moles, there's yeah. actual dragons. It They I did a good job with about. the floor. They had so much crap in this one little kid show, but it didn't get convoluted and it didn't get like overwhelming at all to me. No, no, no. It was, it was definitely, that's kind of what I mean about it. It was a very small world that had a lot in it. Like, it was never confusing what was going on, and the world building never got, like, clumsy and large. It felt like a very 
dense place. So instead of being massive yeah. and sprawling and confused, they kind of set themselves up with boundaries. You know, there's only four nations, and you at the beginning of the at the beginning of the show they show you the whole map of the world. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's not that big. You know, there's like two islands at the north and the south. There's like two little islands where there were air tribes. And then there's like a big blob of earth and then like an archipelago of fire. of fire. And that's it. Yep. And it's like, well, that's pretty small, but it's smart because they give themselves limits. And then they have to densely pack that area, which I think is a better way to do it. Rather than having big expanses of like weird nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they ended their story when they thought they should end the story. Like, it didn't keep going on. They could have done... Like, at the end, they do kind of drop a bob where it's like, Zuko goes up to, I think his dad is like, where is my mother? And it's like, oh, they could have done a whole nother, like, 20 episodes with that story arc. But they ended it at the conclusion of Fire Nation's defeated, where do we go from here? And I thought... That was a very smart choice because it could have easily turned into a Naruto Dragon Ball Z thing. Well, and I think they did a smart thing with two ways with that. One is the next show being Legend of Korra was smart, which we're going to talk about in our next episode. But um, they also, for one thing, yeah, left it open enough that, again, like as soon as you finish it in your brain, you're already writing fan fiction. Um, You know what I mean? Like you're imagining what's next for all these characters, you know? But then also they were smart because they like gave themselves a lot of fodder to make into like movies or comic books or video games. There's like a lot of worlds. There stuff are a lot of comic book. books, but I, I really need to read them. But there are a lot of comics. Yeah, books. yeah. And it's, it's it was a brilliant idea, like from a I don't want to say marketing standpoint because it seems a little cynical, but from giving it, themselves it <laughs> a property to work with, it's a good idea to not burn out your whole property. And they didn't do that by making it, by never getting to see, like, Aang be an adult. It's like, well, that's, like, another whole chunk of story that we can reference and use to build our world moving forward, which is exactly what they did. Um, Um, So I thought that was smart design at the very least, you know what I mean? But, yeah, so (laughs) I think we're at a good stopping point for this episode. I think we answered all the questions that I wanted to talk about. Um, and we kind of went really into Avatar Last Airbender. So really quick, like we do on all these deconstructions, are there any good honorable mention animes that you want to mention of ones that you've enjoyed in the past, ones that you think um, listeners should watch? Dragon's a good one. So's Cowboy Bebop. Um, I mean, those ones are obvious, but I do think they're very good as far as like making a world that's fascinating and fun to like, kind of live in as a story trigun's good i don't i'm scared that it won't hold up because i kind of want to watch it again because i did really like trigun and um i'm scared but i understand but i I really like the last few episodes where it gets dark and then it ends kind of like he goes off to fight his uh, i shouldn't spoil the thing i just told you to um recommend loops (laughs) <laughs> i i just i think it's a really good anime trigun's great cowboy bebop's great um my honorable mention list so if you are i mean i highly doubt you're a child listening to this because i think most of our listeners of are people that i know and their friends and they're all around my age if not older 
But good animes for children to really just dive into. Naruto, Dragon Ball Z, Fairy Tale. What? These are all garbage animes. What are you talking about? They're good for children, as we stated I, multiple mm, times. Mm, okay. Just because well, kids so like them. Good, okay, good honorable mention animes. I would say on Netflix, Noragami is really good. The manga is great and still going on. The story Wait. is getting really interesting. They have a chance to make this very convoluted and very weird, but I have a feeling that they're getting close to the end. But Noragami is What's good, Noragami about? Noragami is basically it's set in Japan. It's basically like all of the gods that Japan have are actually real living beings. And so there is a god, Yato, who has no followers or no anything, so he's trying to get more followers and things like that, but he's all. And there's also the whole subplot of, well, probably in the main plot of our. There's these creatures called the Akasashi, or I forget what they're called in the actual dub. But there's these monsters that basically corrupt humans and kind of make life worse. And so one of the first episodes is just a girl. She's sitting in a classroom, and this thing is basically telling us like, "You're worthless. You have no reason to live. Like you should kill yourself." That type thing. And then, like, it zooms out, you see the monster, and he goes and slays the monster, and it's like, okay, it's like, I did my job as a god, someone praised me, but he has no followers, because he's just a self-starter god kind of thing. And it follows that storyline with him. It's funny, it's good, it's weird. The anime on Netflix, I don't think they only have the first season on Netflix, it's 12 episodes and there's a lot more going on with it, but that's just the basic gist, I don't want to give away too much. But, um... That's a good one. Attack on Titan, the first season's fine, but it does get to the Boo. point where it's like, I'm done with it. Um, Samurai Champloo. It's very... <laughs> Samurai Champloo's very good. They mix like 1800s Japan with um, hip-hop and rap, and it's really yeah. fun. They have um, two vagabonds traveling with a girl who wants to find the Sunflower Samurai, and... They in hijinks ensue. There's some really good, like episodes that show how the culture was in 1800s Japan really well. So there are a lot of episodes that just have like a sour, sad ending. But it's very artistic, very like beautiful show. And the last three episodes, I would say, are almost spot on perfect. Yeah. Samurai Champloo. Um, trying to think. Yeah, and just really. What I recommend with anime is, like, if it sounds cool, if you read the description and it sounds cool, give it a try. If you don't like it, stop watching it. <laughs> yeah, I've done that a lot. I for sure have started an anime and then been like, eh? And there I'm have done. been animes that have truly surprised me. Like, Noragami surprised me. Kill a Kill is one I'm not going to recommend because it is very... It's If you're first getting into anime, it's very weird very fan servicey if you're not like ready if you're not ready for that the fan service in it is supposed to be gratuitous like too much like they did that on purpose but it is very fan servicey very weird so i would not recommend that as you want to get into anime watch kill a kill don't do it um and of course as always what i recommend every single time we talk about anything full metal alchemist and full metal alchemist brotherhood brotherhood first Read the manga. Yeah, really read, just Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, honestly. Brotherhood, and if you're more of a like comics and reading person, definitely read the manga of Full Metal Alchemist because it is a great coming of age, just adventure with a lot of darkness, but with a lot of light as well. 
Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Okay, so yeah, those are my recommendations. If there's anything else, if you're listening to this, you're like, I really like anime already. I want some new ones. Just email the world shop podcast at gmail.com. I put the link in the description every week. Um, but yeah, I think it is just world shop podcast at gmail.com. Email me and I will get back with like a hundred recommendations of anime and manga. Can I, can I respond to emails? Yeah, I can give you access to the email. Please don't. I don't want to have to do work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, I knew if I just I knew if I just gave you that little bone, you would instantly back off and be like, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but yeah, so um that's our anime episode. I hope you guys enjoy. We I don't know about Cody, but I really love anime and I eh, I'm getting a little bit less into it, but yeah. Also, all of the Studio Ghibli movies are great. Spirited Away, one of the best animated films. Spirited Away was one that I did not like when I first saw it for some reason. And same yeah, year. I know. Yeah, same year. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I watched I didn't it. Like I, it. The first time I watched it, I thought it was just too weird. And I watched it again, and then I got it. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Another good coming of. Anime does good coming of age stories. <laughs> they do have a habit of doing that. All right, but that is our um, anime episode. Next week will be our. Um, magic and science deconstruction episode and then we will be back shortly with our horror worlds so that is correct talk to y'all later you can check me out at something i guess zero zero at twitch and cody at the wandering gamer network see y'all next week bye bye